who just come out recently, and they came out to the farm. They wanted to come and see what the farm looked like now. They had seen the film that you're about to see, Mugabe and the White African, and they wanted to see what things looked like now on the ground. And so we went out to the farm, we had a look around, and um, I sat with them, and, and, and then they wanted to do a, a long interview, and I did a, a three-hour interview, and these Canadians were quite struck, and they were quite amazed at this whole situation and at my testimony. And I was asked by the, the interviewer, I was asked, what have you learned through this time? And I thought for a moment, I was on camera and I said, I've learned what the most important things in life are. And I think when you have everything stripped away, bit by bit by bit, when you see your country fall apart at the seams, when you live under this terrible fear, not knowing who is going to be coming down the driveway next and what their intentions might be, when you have friends killed and you go to the scene and you see their mutilated, butchered bodies. When you're abducted, when you're taken out to the camps, the torture camps, you start to think about what it is that is important in life. And I think when I was praying about what I was going to talk about on this trip, the thing that came to me was to talk about overcoming. And when um, we read some of Jesus' words, when we read from Matthew 24, verse 13, Jesus says, in that time, and he's talking about, you'll remember in Matthew 24, the end times. He's talking about uh, a time of great trial, a time of great testing, a time when we will need to overcome. He says, in that time, many will turn away from the faith. And will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And I think there is an urgency today 
about that message of Jesus, of being equipped to stand firm in the time of trial, in the time of testing, and to not fall away. And I think here in, here in England, where for so long things have been so safe, and Megan talked about that in, in her, the thing that, that amazing thing that she, she read out. I think we, in the words of Deuteronomy 8, we can become comfortable, we can become uh, untrusting in, in God because we, we don't need to really trust Him because we have got so many safety nets in place with our financial planning, with uh, the way things work in the welfare state, with our medical health, uh, national health um, services, with uh, the wealth that has been created in this time of peace that this country has enjoyed for so long. And we become comfortable and we think, well, you know, God is, God is great. But he's not number one in our lives. We've got other things that are important too. Talks in the Revelation about the t days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah. You remember the days of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son and Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what was coming until the flood came and took them all away. And Jesus says, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And so we ask that question, are we equipped to overcome? Are we not living in these times of Noah at this time? Not fully serious. Not fully understanding of what is to come. Revelation 13 verse 16 says, he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or forehead, so that no one could buy or sell if he did not have that mark. And then it goes on in Revelation 14, and it talks about those who do not take on that mark. And in Revelation 14, verse 9, it says, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury. 
And so we have to ask ourselves, what is all this about? What would we do if we decided to not take on that mark? How would we buy, if we could not buy or sell, how would we eat? How would we live? How would we move around? What would we wear? And I think Jesus says that many will fall away in that time. Many will decide that it's much easier just to take on the mark of the beast. Come out of her, my people. Revelation 18 says. I think there's two things that I have learned that are important over these last years living in Zimbabwe, living in the firing line, as it were, living on a farm, living in a time where everything was stripped away from us, where we lost everything, where eventually my father-in-law died of his injuries of that night. And I think the two things that I have learnt that are important are that we can trust God 100% because He is 100% faithful. And the second thing that I have learned is that we must obey God 100% because His way is better than our way. And because even though it might look as a rough road ahead, if we do obey our Lord God, He is trustworthy and He is able to take us through whatever trials we are going to come through. And I can say that with absolute assurance. He will take us through. Our lives here are very brief. They are a twinkling of the eye. We are not here for very long. And so God requires us in that little time that we have here to be extreme for Him. He requires us to be committed 100% to Him. He requires us to be courageous for Him, to step out in obedience for Him and see our faith grow as we do so. As a 18-year-old, I went out to Hong Kong for three months and spent... Um, time with Jackie Pullinger, who many of you may have heard about um, in Hong Kong, and it was a, uh, a tough place to be. The walled city was left out of the agreements between the Chinese and the British, and uh, it was a place that grew up in total lawlessness. 
I can remember walking through those streets with Jackie and those streets were no bigger than what two people could walk along side by side. There was no law whatsoever in those streets. I can remember seeing rats the size of cats. And when you looked up from those streets, you just saw darkness. There was nothing above. You could never see any sky, whether it was day or night, because the buildings had grown up above. Um, there was no planning whatsoever. And it was a chaotic place. The streets had... It, it, the police never, never would venture along those streets because it was just a place of gangsterism, a place of total lawlessness. Uh, and it was just populated by uh, prostitutes, by triad gang leaders, by um, heroin addicts. Uh, and it was the most, most dreadful place on earth. There were 60,000 people that lived on that in that small area, t 10 acres of ground, um, 60,000 people lived there. And Jackie had a, had a thing that she used to say. She, she used to say, what we need as Christians is hard feet. And we need soft hearts. And Jackie lived that out. You know, Jackie was there all on her own as a young 18-year-old girl. And for three years, there wasn't a single person that came to Christ in that most terrible place. But she continued on, and she continued on, and she prayed, and she loved those people, and she continued to allow her feet to continue to harden and her heart to continue to soften. And it was the most amazing ministry that was developed in that place. And we saw heroin addicts coming off heroin, having been on heroin for, I can remember one guy that we were uh, with, he'd been on heroin for 28 years. He'd been mainlining, he had no veins left. Um, and for 28 years, Five times a day, he had been having to feed this, this terrible uh, habit of, of heroin addiction. And it was just incredible seeing this man and, and others like him. We had quite a few in, in the place where we were uh, based. Um, coming off heroin with no pain coming off as they continue to pray, as we continue to pray for them for 24 hours round the clock with them all the time, showing them love, showing them that when they were cold, giving them a blanket, when they were hungry, giving them food, when they were feeling lonely, talking to them, but just continually praying for those people. It was amazing seeing how their hearts became soft. And then eventually their feet became hard. And we debriefed guys that were 
coming back from China that had been heroin addicts all their lives and then had become Christians and were 100% committed and were going into China and suffering the most terrible persecutions as they went into that place and brought the word with them. Modern society is all about feeling, isn't it? You do what feels good. You go out, and if, if that feels good, then you go with it. But that's not what Christ taught. God intended us to be obedient to what he calls us, each one of us, to do. In the letters to the seven churches in Asia, in Revelation, John talks about overcoming. Each, each of those seven churches in Asia, he has a word for. And he talks to each one about overcoming. In the church of Ephesus, he talks about them having forsaken their first love, and he calls them to repent, and then he calls them to overcome. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. And then the church of Smyrna, they, were, they went through prison, they went through persecution, they went to the point of death and John says, he who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Life is very short. And we need to get our priorities right. We need to find out what the important things are. The church of Pergamum. Some were doing religious work for personal gain. There was sexual immorality within the church and they were told to repent and then to him who overcomes I will give some of the hidden manna and I also give him a white stone with a new name the church of Thyatira they are told that they tolerated Jezebel who was misleading them into sexual immorality and they were eating food that was sacrificed to idols. There was idolatry in the church and they were told to repent to him who overcomes and does my will to the end. I will give authority over the nations and the morning star which is Jesus Christ. Then the fifth church, the church of Sardis, they had a reputation for being alive, but they were actually dead. And they were told to remember and to obey and to repent. And they were told, he who overcomes will be dressed in white, clean, pure, forgiven, 
And then the sixth church, the church of Philadelphia, they were told, Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of God. And Laodicea, remember they were the one that was neither hot nor cold. They were lukewarm. They weren't on fire for Jesus. And they were told, be earnest. Be earnest and repent. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. As we are obedient to him, as we trust in him, as we adore him, as we know his love and desire his love earnestly and give back that love as we go out and throw off, in the words of Hebrews, throw off everything that hinders. Amazing things will happen. He intended 100% trust, 100% obedience. God doesn't want anything less. And if there is anything less, we will see brokenness, broken families, broken relationships, broken societies, broken countries. He wants 100% trust, 100% obedience. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And so the challenge that I have for each one of us here today is are we going to grasp the important things in life? Are we going to be overcomers? Are we going to be 100% trusting in the God who threw the stars into space? The God who sent his one and only Son for each one of us that we might be free that we might have life in all its fullness are we ready to sacrifice all for Jesus are we ready to not shrink from death let us pray Lord God, I thank you that you are 100% trustworthy, that you are 100% faithful, that you are 100% loving, that there is nothing that is halfway with you. 
I thank you that you want us to be 100% committed to you and 100% obedient to you. And Lord God, each one of us might have areas in our lives that we do not want to give up entirely to you. But we ask, Lord God, that you work on those areas in our lives. We ask that as we read your word, as we step out in obedience for you, that you would convict us, that you would have us do what you would want us to do, that you would make us obedient for you so that we can accomplish amazing things in your name, for your glory, for your name. In this country of England, the United Kingdom, and in this town of London, and in the places that we go to from here, Lord God, that you would go before us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would make the path plain to each one of us where it is that you would have us be, what it is that you would have us do, and that we would be obedient to whatever that road or wherever that road leads us. And we thank you that all those roads, whichever road you lead us on, as we are faithful to do what it is that you would have us do, leads to you. And we thank you, Lord God, that there is no better place that we can go to but to you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name. Amen.